0: on Local Now, Channel 525.
1: I identify myself as a Bible-believing, unashamed follower of Jesus Christ. I believe the Bible, I follow Jesus, and I'm not ashamed to say so. The answer is not in the next election. The answer is not in Washington, D.C. The answer to America's problems is in the pulpit and the pews of America's churches that's what we do here daily on Bob Bernie Live. We listen, we think, and then we look at the Word of God, evaluate it, and develop our worldview from God's point of view. The views and opinions expressed are those of the participants and may not be the views or opinions of the staff, management, or advertisers of WRFD. Bernie Live. And welcome to Bob Bernie Live. We are broadcasting live from the Creation Museum, well, in Kentucky, but it's just over the river from Cincinnati. And folks, if you have not been to the Creation Museum, I don't care what you have to do, make plans to go as soon as possible. You will be blown away. Anyway, it is a delight and a privilege, and I want to thank all the folks here at the Creation Museum for their wonderful hospitality today. I've got several guests lined up. I think you're going to be encouraged. I hope you'll be a little educated. And uh, you'll know more not just about the Creation Museum but uh, the importance of creation as well. Uh, my telephone number is 877 Bob Live. Uh, Normally Friday is open phone Friday. Well, we're not going to exactly have open phone Friday. If you do have a question for one of my guests, I'd be happy to take your phone call at 877-BOB-LIVE, 877-262-5483. We're in the lobby just as you come in the door, and I, I am blown away at how busy they have been. The weather stinks. It's a weekday. It's cold outside, and the place has been packed all day long. I got here about eleven o'clock this morning, and uh, I, I, I'm just I'm I'm blown away, but I am encouraged at how busy they are today. So anyway, I've got several guests, and let's get to my uh, first guest. Seated next to me is Bodie Hodge. He is a prolific author a speaker representing Answers in Genesis, and Bodie Hodge, it is a delight to welcome you to the program.
0: Hey, it's great to be on the show.
1: I had no idea I was interviewing such a celebrity.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you.
1: I am, I've been sitting here for like two hours, and everybody just walks by and kind yeah. of glances at me. The minute you sit down, people are coming up, can I have your autograph? <laughs> And they're autographing your books, or you're autographing the books and all that.
0: Oh. I, wow. I don't know. I still don't know if I'm that big of a celebrity, but uh, <laughs> it is an honor and a pleasure to be able to do that and, and chat with people and help them out, and uh, it really is exciting. You know, and a lot of people who come to the Creation Museum, uh, you know, they come here, a lot of them are Christians, a lot are not Christians, yeah. and they come through and, uh, you know, they start learning about, wow, you know what, maybe the Bible is true, or it really helps strengthen their faith. And uh, so people get really excited when they're here. It really is a, a fun experience.
1: Well, let's get acquainted with Bodie Hodge. Um, you're from Western Illinois, a great metropolis with like <laughs> three people and two tractors. Is well, that what you told well, me? Well, it
0: feels like that. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Western Illinois, our county only had about 6,000 people in it, and a lot of those were inmates in a prison. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, we. It, it's just the middle of nowhere, about halfway between Springfield and Quincy's, where I grew up, a lot of farms, a lot of hunting. Uh, things like that. But uh, I went to school in Carbondale at Southern Illinois. Uh, I learned engineering and a lot of material science. So it was kind of lumped yeah. under that, and that was my specialty. I taught at the university for a couple of years after I got my master's degree, and then I worked at Caterpillar up in Peoria, Illinois as a test engineer, and that was a great job. Wow. I took I took large pieces of cat equipment out to the field and broke it, and that was my job, you know, so... <laughs> So you were
1: paid to break things. I
0: really was. Uh, of course, we take you know, dated and write you know, reports, yeah. but uh, yeah, it was, it was wonderful those days we'd go out to the field and do that.
1: So, how did you get involved with Answers in Genesis? Did you did you grow up in a Christian home?
0: You know, I did. I, I, I got saved about uh, nine years old. Yeah. Now, my dad, you know, I know he struggled with Christianity for quite some time. About the time I got in high school, I would say, is about the time that he got saved. And, uh, you know, I know he still struggled even during that. So, I didn't have a lot of leadership. But I grew up in a Christian home. I wasn't perfect by any means. Uh, Even when I went to college, you know, I didn't know a whole lot about my Christianity. And it was about that time uh, when I was teaching there that I started getting answers. And uh, I got really excited about that when when you... you know, get apologetic answers for those who don't know what apologetics is. It's a reasoned defense of the faith, you know, give, being able to give good, solid yeah, answers. A lot of
1: people think it's apologizing for what you believe. Correct. And it's yes, not that. Yeah, no.
0: yeah. So, you know, I got excited about that and I was growing and I ended up working with some youth groups and I run my own website, answering a lot of these tough questions that kids would have about science or history or, or things like evolution. Website? I did for really? a time. Wow. And, uh, well, one thing led to another, and I uh, applied for a job here at Answers in Genesis, and they put me through a pretty rigorous interview process, but I, I got hired on. So
1: science in the Bible was a hobby, and now it has become a profession.
0: Yes, it really has, and uh, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. You know, uh, you look back and you just see the Lord training you for certain things. You know, he trained me as a teacher to be able to get in front of the crowds, he uh, trained me in a lot of the science and the history and the theology, and, you know, it's just strength to strength when the Lord brought me into ministry.
1: Wonderful. Uh, you've written a lot of books. What What is your particular area of interest and, and expertise?
0: Well, you know, sometimes uh, it, it can be pretty broad. Anything from Genesis 1 to 11 seems to encapsulate me. Uh, you know, so a lot of times it deals with the scientific aspects, a lot of historical aspects. But, uh, you know, of course, you know, just with the Bible in and of itself, Genesis 1 to 11 is foundational to every major doctrine of theology directly or indirectly. And so, you know, diving into the six days of creation or the flood or the Tower of Babel or other related subjects like dinosaurs, uh, those are subjects that I've really specialized in. I've written a lot of materials on it, done a lot of lectures but on you, it. But your education
1: was all secular.
0: <laughs> it really was. Right?
1: You, don't, you, you yeah. did not come from a Christian education. Correct. Secular. So you obviously were not taught creation in Southern Illinois University. No,
0: I sure wasn't. I was taught evolution, Big Bang, millions of years. All those aspects of a secular worldview, secular humanism, is the dominant religion we see in the state schools, we see it in the universities, we see it in museums, a lot of the secular media, of course. So I was taught that religion left, right, and center. And uh, at the same time, though, I grew up in church. Um, and so I struggled. I struggled trying to go, "Okay well, do I give church answers? Do I give the world 's answers and uh, that 's where the apologetics became very important for me to go in and say okay let 's get some answers to this
1: well let 's let 's deal with the importance of genesis, and we're we 're going to coming up on a break here in a couple of minutes, but we can carry it over. There is an enormous de emphasis on Genesis, the Old Testament in general, but particularly Genesis. A lot of evangelicals are saying, we don't have to take Genesis literally. Come on. Mm-hmm. Why, is, why is Genesis and a literal understanding of Genesis so incredibly important?
0: Well, I, I, it's like I said just a moment ago. It is the foundation for every major doctrine. You know, why do we need a Savior in the first place? It goes back to Genesis 1 to 11. Uh, why do we wear clothes? Genesis 1 to 11. Why is there a seven-day week? Genesis 1 to 11. Uh, You know, there's so much that's just predicated on Genesis 1 to 11 being true. But here's what happened. A lot of people missed the history to what happened. In the late 17, early 1800s, a lot of atheists and deists started to attack the Bible, in particular uh, Genesis 1 to 11. They wanted to throw the flood out, for example. They wanted to throw creation out. And those ideas started to spread throughout a lot of the Western universities and schools. And then it started to infiltrate churches. Next thing you know, we have churches and leading Christians that are throwing out Genesis 1 to 11. And when they do talk about the Old Testament, they usually start with Abraham. All right.
1: Is it important
0: that we understand that Adam and Eve were
1: real people and the events happened exactly as they were described? Is it okay? Okay. To say, well, they may have just been traditions. They may just have been traditions. I want you to hold that because I'm hearing that over and over and over again in the evangelical community. Why is it so important that we understand Adam and Eve were real people? The Garden of Eden was real. It really was seven days and we'll come back to that. We've got to take a break. You're listening to Bob Bernie Live. And we are broadcasting live from the Creation Museum. We'll be here through the entire program. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Bob Bob Bernie, Bernie Live. Live. Looking at today's news through a biblical worldview. And we are broadcasting live from the Creation Museum in uh, northern Kentucky, southern Ohio, and it's my privilege to have Bodie Hodge seated next to me, prolific author and one of the speakers representing Answers in Genesis. There's another thing I want to talk to you and ask you about Bodhi. So just real quickly, again, we are seeing, it is not unusual in the liberal church, the leftist church, the woke church, to question the authority of the Bible, Genesis, the literal account, but in evangelicalism, Bodhi, Mm -hmm. I am hearing this, it's not really that important to believe a literal creation story. Those are fables, as long as God gets credit. Why is it essential that
0: we take God at his word in the Bible, particularly on creation? Well, you know, if you look throughout the Bible, other authors of the Bible took Genesis the way it was written, including Jesus, including Paul, including Peter. Who are we to go in there and say, oh, well, you guys were wrong. You don't have to take that that seriously. But, see, it undermines the foundation. The foundation of the gospel is built all the way back through the Old Testament, going back to those early pages of Genesis. You know, I know we mentioned uh, Adam and Eve just a moment ago. Without an actual Adam and Eve and the actual fall into sin, there's no need for a Savior. Right. There's no need for salvation. So what's the point? It, it's all gone at that point. So well, the, and, and, and redemption. What? Jesus is the second Adam. Correct. Well,
1: how could you be the second Adam if there wasn't a first <laughs> if there Adam. wasn't a first one. Yeah.
0: You see, there's so many inconsistencies when people do that. Uh, Dr. Terry Mortensen, he's one of the speakers uh, here at the ministry. He's a historian, actually. He wrote a book called Searching for Adam, worked with a number of experts to deal with those types of arguments that people like Andy Stanley or William Lane Craig have been doing, trying yeah. to attack. Yeah the early pages of genesis and say that adam didn't exist so you know what we need to do is say hold on a second here let's go back to the bible let god be the authority because here's what's happening we're seeing people elevate their own thoughts to supersede what god said in order in order to fit
1: right with society culture and modern science so we're not on the outside right
0: and so anytime people elevate their own thoughts to supersede god they're they're trying to say that they're an authority greater than God, who is the absolute yeah. authority. All right, real quick,
1: because our time's going so fast. <coughs> Pardon me. <laughs> Don't cough in the microphone. Uh, I, I had the opportunity to sit in on part of your lecture this morning. Bodhi is one of the major lecturers here at uh, Answers in Genesis. And you were talking about the legends of the flood in cultures all over the world. Mm-hmm. For years and years, Bodhi... I have heard that used to denigrate the Bible. Well, the the account in the Bible of the flood is just one of many, many, many legends. You took exactly the opposite position, and I found it fascinating. If you could just encapsulate that in a couple of minutes, why
0: is it important that there are flood legends all over the world? Well, here's the thing. The Bible records the true account. And what we expect to find is cultures all over the world have a memory of that. Now they're going to be warped, skewed. They're going to insert some of their local fauna or a local mountain and things like that. And that's exactly what we see. So when I see 500-plus flood legends floating around out there. 500-plus. Yeah. That's an excellent confirmation of what I expect to see from Scripture. Now look at it from the other perspective. If there was no global flood, like what the secular world teaches, there shouldn't be any. There shouldn't be any. And especially,
1: you were telling me that some of the, the tribes in other countries from way up on top of mountains mm-hmm.
0: have flood legends. Yes. Yeah, they have that. What, one. what does that tell us? I know. It, it lets them know that, hey, they have an actual history. We saw this in some of the driest deserts in the world. They're talking about a flood legend. And here they are struggling to get drops of water, yeah. let alone uh, you know, a global flood. You know, when I was down in Peru, we were up in the Andes Mountains over two miles high. They have flood legends. I mean, this is amazing. And that actually makes sense.
1: So, it, yeah, if it was just, and again, the skeptics say, well, everybody has floods. So everybody has flood legends. We're talking
0: two miles up on a mountain top, and they have a flood legend. What does that tell us? That tells us right there that it was a real event that has been passed down through history. Because we see the skewing, we expect that because it's not preserved inerrantly the way the Bible is. And, you know, I absolutely love seeing these types of things because there's a lot of other little things that we sometimes forget. Do you realize we find uh, seashells and fossils of marine organisms on these mountains all over the world from Mount Everest to down in Peru? Uh, We went up there and we're digging some of these. It's just amazing. That's an excellent confirmation going, hey. These things really did happen. Real
1: quick, and I mean real quick, we've got one minute. Uh, give us quickly some of the books that you have been a part of that our listeners might be interested in. Again, it have to be really fast.
0: All right. Real quick, uh, one of my first books was a book called The Fall of Satan. It looks at uh, The Fall of Satan, The Fall of Mankind, things going on in Genesis chapter 3, A Flood of Evidence. Ken Ham and myself put this book together looking at the flood, Noah's Ark. And uh, one of my more popular ones is uh, The Tower of Babel. I look at people groups, the tower itself, the archaeology for it. And uh, those are probably three of my top ones. Of course, I've been on over 30 books, you know, but uh, these are probably some of my favorite to talk about.
1: The two books you can't see it on radio, are those
0: primarily for children? They're illustrated. They're incredible. Yeah, I've got two here. One is called Dragons, Legends, and Lore of Dinosaurs. The other is... The Flood of Noah, Legends and Lore of Survival. And these are family books. Now, a lot of kids love them because you open them up. The graphics are beautiful. Yeah. They got the flip tabs and so much information. How can our listeners find out about those? Go to answersingenesis.org. Again, that is answersingenesis.org. Look for resources from Bodie right, Bodie
1: Hodge has been my guest. We are broadcasting live from the Creation Museum. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with more Bob Bernie Live.